Hi, I'm Jared Fuller, and welcome to Scratching the Surface. On the show with me today is Fleur Watson. Fleur is the Executive Director and Chief Curator at the Center for Architecture, Victoria and Open House Melbourne, and is the author of a really terrific new book, The New Curator, Exhibiting Architecture and Design. Through a series of case studies and interviews, the new curator surveys contemporary design practice to understand what it means to curate design and architecture today. Featuring many people who have been on this show before, like Eric Chin, Paola Antonelli, Dayan Sujik, Prem Krishnamurthy, and others, Fleur positions design curating as less about objects and individual designers and more about process, research, and collaboration. It's a great book that felt very much in dialogue with so many of the big themes that I tackle on this show. Fleur's background is in design practice before she quickly moved into writing and editing. She was an editor-in-chief of Monument Magazine in Australia and served as a curator at the Design Hub Gallery at RMIT. In this conversation, Fleur and I talk about what the new curator is and the various curatorial moves that she identifies in the book. We talk about the expanding natures of both design and curatorial practices, as well as the evolution of her own career, thinking through her work as both curatorial and design. It's a great conversation, I think, and I just can't recommend her book enough. If you like the show, I hope you consider supporting it on Patreon. We offer three monthly tiers, $3 for students, $5 for patrons, and $10 for superfans. They give you access to all sorts of bonus content, like a monthly newsletter, early episodes, transcripts, and exclusive interviews, all while helping to financially support this show. So if you like scratching the surface and you want to see it continue, I hope you consider joining us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash surface podcast for all the details and to help support the show. Thanks for listening. And here's my conversation with Fleur Watson. I want to start this conversation talking about your new book, which is called The New Curator, Exhibiting Architecture and Design, which I read and I loved. It's a it's such a great book uh, and covers so many things that I'm interested in. And what you do in this book is you sort of identify these different types of curatorial practice or these curatorial moves, as you call them, the curator, space maker, as interloper, uh, as a speculator. And you kind of identify these and talk about what each of these are. But what was interesting to me in reading the book is how each of these moves, one thread that ties them all together is that they're all moves away from thinking about curation or uh, kind of curating architecture and design away from looking at singular objects and looking at um process at research at um you know at kind of ranges of practices as opposed to artifacts and i'm curious if you could talk about that move and how you've maybe thought about that as a way of um kind of thinking about what the new curator is or will be well thanks jared it's firstly so great to to know that you've read and loved the book thank you um oh, of course and Definitely, you're absolutely right. The The book is, I guess, somewhat provocatively titled <laughs> The New Curator. Um, and in that provocation, it's certainly not um, intended as setting up a binary between new forms of curating and old forms of curatorship. And it's not in, uh, it's certainly not my intention to 
reject the scholarship and custodian of, of custodianship of traditional modes of curation and cultural right. production. Um, but it does, you know, it's grappling with this idea of exploring, discussing, investigating these kind of emerging curatorial methodologies mm. and what I call moves, as you say. Um, and, and that has a deliberate porosity, I guess. There's a kind of sense of, of understanding contemporary curatorship for architecture and design specifically in relationship to both the changing nature of design practice itself Mm -hmm. and the complexity and diversity of the conditions in which design practice is responding. So in that way, this kind of um, way that the changing role of practice itself is happening, um, you know, obviously architecture and design has always been a very collaborative process of um, conceptualising, experimenting, documenting, advocating, prototyping. Um, but it is also grappling with its role in some of the kind of big challenges that we face as a community. So the book is really cited in that that context and really as this kind of expanded form of creative practice itself. Um, I think in that way too, one of the biggest shifts is is thinking through how the audience is brought very much into this discussion. So rather than the curator acting as a kind of voice of authority, a custodian, a kind of um, educational uh, voice, if you like, or or placing something within a canon, it's Mm -hmm. actually... Uh, you know, really grappling with this much more active exchange with audiences. And in that way, this porosity starts to come in. It's it's much more about asking questions, perhaps, than it is in terms of providing answers. And it's really saying that the audience is a really key part of that conversation, a part of the equation, and that curating is not an activity that can take place in isolation. It needs the audience to um, be part of discovering what is what is happening, uh, both in contemporary practice but also within the exhibition space itself if we think about it as a site for experimentation. So... That, that's the kind of territory that the book is is sitting in and, and kind of, you know, trying to in some ways, again, not fix the landscape but, <laughs> right. but certainly right. kind of uh, bring it together through both my own research but also these other conversations that thread through the book which are a really important part of, of uh, its composition. Yeah, it's actually really interesting to hear you kind of frame it that way, especially around this idea of collaboration, because the book, you know, your name is on the on the cover, actually, obviously, and I'm talking to you about it. But there are these conversations which you are not a part of. It's two other curators talking to each other. And then you have these really great case studies throughout some you worked on some that you didn't and so the book itself is a type of curatorial project or a type of collaboration also can you talk a little bit about that and kind of about you know the idea of getting these ranges of voices in here to build to this kind of thesis that you're proposing yeah the the book um the book really came out of um, reflecting on on my own practice over the past twenty years, 
which was very much cited uh, in in Australia um, generally and outside the conventions of the museum or the gallery. So mm. in modes such as publishing, festivals, public space, um, and then more recently or certainly over the last decade in this kind of space of um, research and a kind of lab-like project space. Um, and so the book, uh, through my own PhD, kind of reflected on that, that practice. And, but I think more interestingly for me, <laughs> the process of the PhD also started to bring together a community of practice. The more I looked mm. um, around my own practice, which was, I should say very clearly, has always been inherently collaborative um, right from the get-go. So I think the book really articulates that, that um, there's also, you know, a slight critique of the idea of the kind of um, not only the star architect but the star curator. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. And and that the that you know, it doesn't really exist, certainly not in my practice. And the more I talked to other people who I responded to or admired or respected, that was very clear that their own practices were also very collaborative and and it was about um, kind of materialising ideas that were often in process. Um, so really it was about the more I kind of... Um, post-PhD, started to think about producing a book, um, it felt to me absolutely in, inherent in the project that these other voices came into it and that it wasn't about me having individual conversations mm. with those other people, that it was actually about bringing people together with people that they felt were interesting to have a conversation with and um, and threading that through the book in some ways um, as these kind of extra layers, but also in ways that expanded beyond my own position. So I think you're absolutely right that it is a kind of curatorial, you know, project in its own sense. And um, Diane Sujit kind of talks about that in the introduction. It is this yeah. kind of sense of, of um, bringing these people together in their own voices, their own positions as a whole to to start to kind of frame up something that is very much still in flux and changing all the time. I think that's exactly right. And and speaking of, of Dan, who I had on the show uh, a while ago, in the intro, I'm going to quote him for a second. He writes, the new curator is busy working on ways to redefine the subject of design. In that sense, this book is as much about the practice of design as it is about curating design. An alternative form of practice has opened up for the designer. It is significant to see how certain designers use the format of the exhibition as a means of focusing their research. And I think he's onto something <laughs> there. And I, I think it is interesting to think about how these new moves in curating are reflecting changes in design generally and i'm i'm interested to hear you talk a little bit more about that and specifically about the relationship between the designer and the curator and kind of where the curator sits in in that relationship and you know especially as it's kind of you know where the curator sits kind of in between the designer and an audience where the curator is kind of sitting with the designer and commissioning 
things. Where do you, how do you see the overlap between curation and design, I guess, is really the question that I'm kind of asking, or, or the relationship between the act of the curator and the acts of the designer? Well, you know, certainly the book is reflecting on a, a, a certain position around this kind of more um, responsive Um, form Mm -hmm. of curation Um, and I think we can see if we look quite uh, you know clearly even now that that wide spectrum still very much exists there are uh, contemporary curators who are very much working in a more traditional mode of um, you know looking at a a life's work making sense of Mm -hmm. it perhaps bringing Mm -hmm. it into the contemporary and I think Paola Antonelli in the book makes that point that you know, it's really important not, that we don't discount that form of curatorial practice. Um, right. And and certainly I, I would absolutely agree. I think, you know, certainly the book is grappling with perhaps um, a different type of curatorial practice, which is what I would kind of call a much more rapid form mm. of curatorial practice. And certainly in my own work, uh, I, I've you know, for one reason or another, always seem to work in that mode in Mm. that um, things are happening quite quickly, you're uh, responding to something that is happening around you at the time and you're, in some respects, the curator's role in that process is... um, is much more perhaps involved as though it were a design practice itself, Um, but always kind of stepping out to that point of being able to um, be the trusted guide, the translator into that audience um, connection, that exchange with the audience. So maybe it's helpful to to speak to a a particular project in, in the book, I talk about uh, an exhibition that I worked on quite recently, actually, with um, a number of other uh, people in the mix, uh, Naomi Stead, who's a well-known uh, architect and activist here, as well as uh, my curatorial colleague, Kate Rhodes, and Pierre Edney Brown on an exhibition called Workaround. Um, right. And that exhibition was really kind of talks to your point, really, um, because in many respects it was uh, about women and design and women who were working in a kind of more expanded field around design mm-hmm. and certainly in that activist mode. But they were um, practitioners, and I should say they weren't all women either, but predominantly around uh, uh, women-led practice. And it was really grappling with this idea of the kind of work that happens around the kitchen table or the places in between or the places between having a a real job as an architect in an office perhaps (laughs) and what happens outside. But it was also about this kind of um, galvanising of these practices who were responding quite urgently to issues that they felt absolutely passionate about. Um, whether that was public sa- moving through public space and safety for women as well as non-binary, people who identify as non-binary, um, whether it was about, um, you know, trying to grapple with the kind of structures of professional practice and the kind of slowness to catch up with um, the need to support women having flexibility in their work. Uh, you know, it was, it was really 
galvanizing this movement that we could see happening around us. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that way, it was really about the curator's ability to, I guess, bring what I would call these kind of two moves together, this kind of activist mode of practice that was really responding to uh, the contemporary condition at the time, um, but also really uh, providing a space and an articulation and a kind of materialization of this practice in the exhibition space itself. Mm. So in that way, we were kind of performing, if you like, um, almost acting as dramaturgs to allow these uh, works to be materialized, but more importantly, kind of documenting them very rapidly and providing that documentation back to the practitioners who could then further that practice. Um, so I think that example kind of speaks to this, this kind of curatorial practice. On one level, yes, you're still acting as that mediator into the public realm and kind of saying, look, these are a set of practices that are all doing things quite differently, but they're speaking to the way that women are practicing in an expanded form and Mm -hmm. in a kind of activist form, but they're all very different and we're not trying to really kind of put a label on it or, or, or kind of articulate it in a defined way. We're saying something's happening here and it's interesting and we'd like to know more about it and we're bringing these practitioners' practice to the, mm-hmm. to the kind of public sphere so you can understand it and perhaps respond to it and ask questions about it and, um, and it can grow from there. I have two questions around that that may or may not be related um the the first one is is kind of directly to what you're talking about and i think what's interesting especially talking about this sort of kind of rapid response almost is just how quickly at least for those of us in the design field our understandings of design and what design is are changing and that goes back to this idea of, of like you know design as a as an artifact a sort of sort of like you know industrial design model almost to now thinking about you know systems and user interfaces and architecture and then in like an architecture space thinking about that as as like space making and just the the sort of concrete uh, borders between disciplines are much blurrier. Our understanding of what is design is much blurrier. And I'm wondering if the curator in this sense is almost somebody who can stand, I don't know if I agree with this, and that's why I'm kind of like <laughs> curious what you think, someone who can kind of stand outside of that and start to make sense of it in some way. Is, is the curator actually, in this sense, a way to create a dialogue for people to better understand this work or better describe this work or give give language to to what design is today. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think I think it's a actually a really important question because I think we are still really battling um with that perception more broadly. Um mm. specifically, you know, in architecture, if we think certainly here in Australia, architects, um, you know, really are involved in such a very small percentage of public life. Um, and, <laughs> and so that uh, idea of expanded practice and the way that 
a design um, way of thinking, an architectural way of thinking uh, through both, you know, uh, your education as an architect or as a designer, but also as a practitioner can be so valuable at, you know, so many different levels of the way Mm. that we think about how to organise our communities, but also how we envisage them uh, to be better communities for everyone. Mm. So I think there is, uh, you know, an absolute role for the curator in um, supporting that understanding of what we mean by expansive practice. Um, And, of course, it's not to say that there is not, uh, you know, a, a critical need for also building much better buildings <laughs> but <laughs> but also there's a critical need to think about beyond the iconic singular building and mm-hmm. its relationship to not only the buildings around it but to public space to um, community space to landscape to waterways to the natural environment and certainly here in Australia where, you know, our built environment is on unceded land, how we understand Indigenous ways of knowing in that practice um, and how we acknowledge, um, you know, certainly the trauma of the past in terms of that, that's, you know, unceded sovereignty. So, you know, they're, they're all really big issues. Um, and I think what what is really... Um, apparent in many of these curatorial practices is how the role of the curator is kind of hand in hand with that expanding role of mm-hmm. design practice to actually really not kind of tell our communities how it is you know but actually right. to to bring people into that conversation because I think for many people they view um, architecture and design as something that's not for them you know, there is certainly um, a kind of sense of, or it's something that is akin to fashion. Um, right. You know, and we all know that fashion is also a much more interesting and expanded field as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so there's there's that kind of critical role I see as being kind of hand in hand with um, creating that active space. Um, and not participation for participation's sake. You know, I think there's many right, points in right. the book which are quite critical of that, but with a kind of um, intent, with an intent to actually create a shared space of, of exchange and meaning and understanding that, um, you know, design is a process that involves lots of people to actually uh, come to um you know, whether it's a culmination or whether it's actually a series of steps that unfold a piece of research that continues, it, it kind of lies in that spectrum. It's interesting to think about these ideas of, you know, sort of expanded practices around design and how, you know, our, our definitions for design and what design is are, are you know, becoming blurrier and and design in many ways has become uh, this buzzword, you know, it's like you want to be a design driven company or, you know, designer is seen as something exclusive, like you were talking about, or, or people are talking about sort of designing 
looks or designing their brand on Instagram. And you write in the book about, you know, how the word curating has also become like that. Everybody's curating what's on their mantle, their Spotify playlists, their Instagram feeds. And I'm, I'm wondering if that sort of expanded idea of curation or, or this, this uh, kind of liberal use of, of the word curate has changed how you think about your job or what it means to be a curator. Yeah, look, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good question as well in terms of, yes, there is the kind of appropriation of the word um, mm-hmm. curator in, in all sorts of contexts, um, as you say, you know, curating a menu or curating a mm-hmm. playlist. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that, actually. Um, it's the same way I feel a bit about kind of protecting you know, professional titles. I mean, there's a point where, you know, is that necessary? (laughs) If if we really understand um, the contribution that is made. So I guess in in my um, own work and certainly the work that I see uh, in the practitioners who have come around the book, whether that's in the conversation or whether it's um, through the case studies, there is a shift um, which is very clear between uh, selecting or, or kind of choosing mm. or um, bringing what I would kind of uh, describe as this idea of the spectacle. I mm-hmm. think there is a lot of um, pressure, uh, you know, particularly in, in the context of um, the way that cultural institutions, large and small, have to operate with limited funds and and uh, you know great competition for those funds that there is a real uh, pressure to kind of curate towards the spectacle where everything is is very much um, you know big and and kind of brings lots of people and it's kind of glossy and it's great for Instagram and and all of those kind of things um, and in a sense, I don't even necessarily have an issue with that as long as the kind of ecosystem around it is is rich uh, across mm-hmm. across how we talk about, exhibit, mediate, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, really kind of bring to the community at large different ways of coming at design practice um, more generally. I think if that ecosystem is strong, fine. I think where it gets really difficult is where the space to be more experimental, to kind of move beyond that lure of creating spectacle or programming for popularity. If if there's not enough spaces and places and practices in which to do things that are riskier, that are more Mm. experimental, that might actually even fail. I mean, failure is a, a concept I talk about in the book. How do you curate an exhibition that might fail. Um, right. And I talk about that uh, specifically in terms of a research project by Roland Snooks, um, mm. which was the composite wing, which kind of formed uh, what I would call the kind of designer's exhibit or the, the main gesture of the exhibition uh, yeah. that I'm referencing. And And really there was a real sense that that project could very well fail it was the first time this particular practitioner had produced a work at that scale it was quite experimental 
Um, mm. And we we kind of thought about that, discussed it. Uh, you know, it wasn't it. We didn't have any great answers, but we did um, come together to curate collectively for that potential because it was more important to take the risk. Um, mm-hmm. And in that way, we produced a series of, you know, we basically documented the process quite exhaustively in a way that would allow it to still be exhibitable um, should it fail. Right. And, and I think those are really important um, moves within the moves because if you don't have that freedom to take risks and talk about things that are not yet fully formed, then you're missing, um, you know, you're missing that whole part of that ecosystem I was just talking about. And that's where the kind of responsiveness is happening. Um, And that also feeds up into the kind of uh, larger practices or, you know, institutions and that whole ecosystem starts to feed itself and we get a much more holistic practice and a much richer um, picture in the public realm of, of what practice has to offer. Yeah, I love that. That that's that's so well said. I want to step back for a second and just talk a little bit about the evolution of your work more generally. Um, and and I'm I'm kind of curious how you got into this space and kind of where some of these ideas developed. And so you've you've worked as a curator inside institutions, you mentioned earlier, you know, in kind of festivals and things like that. You were editor of Monument Magazine. How did how did you kind of get into this space? Where did the interest in architecture and design come from? Yeah, well, I guess I, I've, I feel inherently like I've always been a bit of a kind of outsider in that um, <laughs> um, I, I was trained as a designer. Um, okay. But I, I pretty much moved straight into, um, I was always interested in, in, I guess, what I would now call an expansive practice, but, you know, mm-hmm. kind of going back quite a few years ago now, uh, and I grew up in uh, WA in Perth in Western Australia, I think, uh, you know, which is, is very remote, um, but has a kind of interesting um, creative uh, community, small but but mm. um, very interesting, and I had always been interested in creative practice more more generally, and so I started. Um, I certainly uh, trained as a designer, but really straight out of graduation, I started writing about design practice. Um, mm. Originally for Monument, actually, uh, okay. and then, I, then I kind of moved more into broadcasting. Uh, I worked uh, for the National Broadcaster for a little while doing kind of what they broadly called arts, which meant that they didn't really know what <laughs> um, Right, of course. And, and then I guess as, as I think Dan also mentions in, in the foreword, um, it does feel like there is this loose trajectory. Um, yeah into yep. you know design journalism more more broadly and um and so I went to work for a very small independent publisher but who were doing really interesting publications at the time uh, in Sydney and um there was a really fantastic kind of grassroots music magazine a fashion magazine called Australian mm. Style at the time 
and Monument and I went to head up Monument and and really I spent a very uh, intense, um, you know, really kind of all of us working well into the night but um, really fantastic collegiate, you know, yeah. five or seven years uh, at Monument and that really kind of galvanised, I guess, my interest in in not only writing and reflecting uh, on architecture in the in the context of that magazine, but also its connection with other creative practices, which were around me at the time. When I re- when I look back, was absolutely foundational in in terms of how you cite um, architecture as a cultural practice and mm-hmm. and thinking about that cultural practice uh, in context of other creative practices around you, as I, as I said, but also into that kind of um, greater social realm. You know, what did it have to offer uh, the mm-hmm. community more broadly? Um, so so that was really fundamental. It, it's so interesting to hear that. And it, it's especially interesting to hear how much it kind of parallels my own work in graphic design. And I think it seems like you you realized or moved into writing much quicker than I did. It took me a while to kind of admit that that you know the more kind of writing critical side expand expanded practice exactly is kind of where I wanted to be. Um, and I, I like tried to make it work as like just a normal graphic designer for probably too long. But um, the 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 reason I asked you that though is because I was curious if you see this work whether it's curatorial or editorial or publishing as a type of design practice now like does that design education shape how you approach the work that you're doing today yes i think it does um and i think it's taken me a long uh, time to get to that point um i do definitely see you know i i certainly identify myself as a curator um, but but I see that uh, curatorial practice uh, and the way that I work um, is is absolutely informed by my early work and my training mm. and and my interest as a designer. And I think that really started to emerge for me out of the process of doing the PhD. Um, there's quite an extraordinary professor here in Australia, um, although, you know, he's originally from South Africa in the UK called Liam Van Skyke, mm-hmm. who who mm-hmm. talks about and he, he's written um, the afterword in the book and, and he's really fundamental in this idea about your spatial intelligence. That is, it, it is informed, your spatial intelligence, as he calls it, um, is really informed by your early experiences uh, in life, um, both mm. personal, um, but also uh, your your um, training, you know, your education. So how mm-hmm. those all come together really inform how you approach the world. And and so I guess for for a while, you know, certainly in my in my early um, years working in more kind of curatorial. Um, you know, zones, let's say, um, mm-hmm. kind of moving from publishing to festivals to, to things that were very ephemeral. Uh, I found myself really grappling with that and, and you know, I would certainly um, come across, even in my research, a, a certain kind of pushback from a, a 
a more, I guess, conventional museological way of thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I'm very clear to say in the book and and very um, strong now about the fact that I don't think those binaries are very useful. I think the fact is that there is something kind of happening with these practitioners who come out of perhaps design practices or different backgrounds where they Mm -hmm. do bring a different um, kind of energy and frame and take that is informed by what Leon would call their spatial intelligence. And that's how, you know, that sounds kind of quite, um, uh, you know, scholarly over the top, but actually (laughs) it's born from experience. It's born from practice. And that's what Leon is very clear to articulate it's, it's those practice-driven um, experiences that shape who you are in the world um, and how you then understand the world. Um, and so for me, that very collaborative way of working uh, was very natural and, and very, I think, akin to a design process where, mm-hmm. you know, you're never doing something on your own, that kind of idea of the singular author um, that we still grapple with, you know, the, the kind of master architect mm-hmm. or the master designer is never that way. We, we, we know that um, because it takes many minds and many people to, to come together um, to create a work, uh, particularly a building, let alone um, in the complexity of the conditions that we now find ourselves in. So I think uh, certainly, yes, I... I I would say that um, I do see it as a, a form of design practice, um, but but certainly in I, I see that curatorial work as a uh, inherent collaborator with that expanded field of design. Right. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's so interesting. I I think it's a nice way to to kind of wrap up this conversation. Also, so I'm going to ask you my final question, which is the question I use to end all of these. I'm just curious what you're reading right now. What I'm reading right now. Ah, that's interesting. Um, Oh, that's such a good question because I'm actually in the middle of producing a a book, (laughs) Um, which I'm not writing, I'm editing. So I'm, I'm, I've kind of suspended my personal reading, sadly. Oh, wow. And wow. I'm, I'm doing lots of reading around um, a practice called Neeson Merkit and Neil here, mm. um, who are an extraordinary, um, you certainly wouldn't say emerging practice, but kind of maybe middle career practice uh, based in hmm. Sydney. And so I'm doing a lot of reading about their work. Um, we're kind of right in the middle of, of uh, the process of making the book. So I'm doing some very fine detailed reading of an extraordinary essay by Anna Johnson and Richard Black uh, on their work and, um, and just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know whether you know, but we're still in lockdown here in, yeah, in yeah. Melbourne and uh, Sydney on the East Coast, and, and so I am absolutely delighting <laughs> in these <laughs> extraordinary Sydney landscapes and kind of projecting my mind mm. into their work, but their work is absolutely um, 
embedded in what they would call settings uh, or, or kind of sites and this extraordinary kind of topography and um, natural landscape of, of Sydney and more broadly New South Wales. So that's where my head is with, with reading at the moment. Well, I mean, my I'm not going to lie, my heart sunk when you said that you had suspended your personal reading, but you, you redeemed yourself. I, that sounds so interesting and, and actually really nice. It sounds like a great project. We should uh, we should talk again when the book is out. Um, it yeah, sounds really interesting. I'd love to. Thank you so much for doing this. Like I said, I loved the book. It it's, feels very in dialogue with things I think about on this show. And so, so thank you for writing it. Thank you for this great conversation. Um, I thought it was really great. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, such a pleasure. It's great to talk to you, Jared. This episode was recorded on October 6th, 2021. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon and find previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.